Hello everybody, and welcome to a very special Dungeons and Diapers special, where we're going to talk about the Final Fantasy VII Remake in a spoiler fashion. And I don't know why I'm being so formal here, but I think it is just to warn you that Crofton's about to spoil a large portion of this game, and I can only hold him back for so long. Uh, Crofton, if you want to go ahead and just uh, introduce yourself to the fine folks. Yes, for those of you who may not listen to Dungeons and Diapers, I am Crofton Steers. I am one half of that show with Ryan Murphy, and we are about to talk uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and this is going to be a, a spoiler-filled um, chat, so if, if you want mm. our thoughts without the spoilers, well, you can always subscribe to Dungeons and & Diapers and listen to that <laughs> fine show. I knew you would have no qualms in doing that, so I just I left it to you. He, What you just heard was the man with uh, with no soul, but it's all good because... <laughs> <laughs> no, I kid, I kid. You're the promo guy. You got this. Um, and I will, I, before we jump into spoilers, I will also add a caveat of like, obviously this game's been out for a while. Uh, it, so in that sense, a lot of you are probably wondering, why is this coming out so late? Well, it takes time for parents to finish large RPGs, Okay. But also, you might ask, well, spoiler cast, what if I played the original? Like, I can listen to this. There are some differences. So if you've played the original and you want to stay fresh on how they changed uh, with the remake, uh, the ending is is very different as well, uh, my understanding as, as, at least. But so you're going to want to, you're going to want to, you know not listen to this if you're still wanting to do the the remake fresh thinking that it's going to be just a straight remake because it is very much not i mean they've taken a 20 year old game of the, and they've they've punched it up but they've also added a lot of story elements uh, yeah it. and it, just to, to absolutely clarify everything ryan's saying there uh, there is some it is so crazy that you are able to spoil like we are able to spoil a game that came out 20 years ago uh, for people that would have played that game 20 years ago, but it is not the same. There are some changes that can very much be spoilable. So if you, if you played the original, but not the remake, just know that. And also I can't promise that there won't be discussions about stuff that happened in the original game um, that those who just played the remake might not want to know as well. So if you haven't played the original or unaware of some of the big the big plot points in that game from 20 years ago, you know, you may also not want to not want to listen. But if you have played the original or you don't care about it being ruined for you and you have played the remake, well, then this podcast is for you. Wait a minute. I'm going to have to check out because no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, so, it's funny because I never played the original. Obviously, I'm I'm OK. So let's start right now. I'm fully aware uh, that. They're, they're, wait, they're could, wait, wait, are you about to spoil? Well, I'm I'm saying let's start the spoiler cast right now. So okay, I, I think, but folks, you you uh, did that you did that very quick. You're like let's start it right now, and here's the first one. You know, know, like people are checked. I would imagine if someone was right. avoiding spoilers, we're at the four minute mark. If they haven't checked out yet, they are playing so dangerous that I. I question yeah. that if, if, if they are just okay. adrenaline junkies. I don't know if you. Here's the thing. We're going to talk a bit about spoiler cast here for a second. Get very meta. If you see a spoiler cast pop pop up in your feed, do you download it and listen to it thinking, I don't want to be spoiled, but I want to see how far I can go. <laughs> you know? I think like, I, and I'll say this specifically to a Final Fantasy VII remake spoiler cast, I saved it in my podcatcher 
and deliberately didn't download it or put it in my playlist so it wouldn't play without me knowing. I don't even start them. So yeah. I think no, the whole spoiler fair warning. Enough. <laughs> fair enough. I just like, maybe somebody's like, wow, I really want to hear Ryan and Crofton's banter. And they would be so happy because they got five free minutes of it before they got to tune it up. This is how so. you know this is a Dungeons and Diapers special because <laughs> we've been riffing for five. No, let, let's start the spoiler cast. And I will just say that um, on the note of having played the original and knowing story beats that take place afterwards, uh, I would say that I'm fine knowing what those beats, obviously we're not going to go point for point, but I'm fine knowing those beats, knowing the ending of the first one deliberately, at least my interpretation of, uh, of it from reading articles about what the hell actually happened. They kind of set it up in a way where part two can be completely different from the rest of the original. So did you gather that as well? I did. Now, what's your bona fides? So your bona fides are just that you've played the remake. That's it, and that you've read stuff online. I've I've played the remake. Uh, I know Aerith dies in the original. (laughs) Everybody does at this point. I've watched uh, Advent Rising, the movie. I think Advent Uh, Children. Yeah, Advent Children did not understand uh, anything about whatever was going on. I know who. When did you watch it? Oh, probably the year it came out, I would imagine. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I also watched... I've watched that movie once. I finished Final Fantasy VII, the original. I haven't replayed it recently. So, a lot of it is nebulous. And I recognized that when I was replaying. Like, the iconic mer- moments are burnt in, but there's a lot of stuff that I didn't remember. Uh, I played through now the remake. Um, I never played, and this is going to come up in conversation, so I will just... Uh, there's a lot of games that came out that were, like, part of Final Fantasy VII that piggybacked on the popularity. There's this one called Dirge of Cerberus on PS2. Uh, there was this prequel called um, Crisis Core on PSP. And uh, that prequel is going to come into the discussion of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I haven't played it, but uh, but the, they, they showed a scene from it in, in the Final Fantasy VII remake um in a bit of a different way so uh so i have i'm and i've been a fan of like final fantasy 7 came out when i was a teenager i was living in a house with a bunch of guys we were all playing it switching our you know almost in a race to the end and stuff it really like resonated with us it was really really a powerful game at that time really really enjoyed it so i have a lot of uh strong nostalgia for final fantasy 7 and I think that this game sort of uh, uh, preyed on that. Before we get too far in, in, Ryan, with some with having no nostalgia, like how did the opening of the game, like when you started playing, did it grip you right away, or was it like, uh, or was it sort of like, oh, this seems dated? What was your feeling? Well, see, I I, I described this on the gamers in as um, how do I how do I say this uh, is sort of like sympathy nostalgia. In the sense that I understand huh. how much this game means to people. And I had friends growing up. I, I was a Nintendo house. Mission. I had friends. <laughs> what? <laughs> come on. Of course I had friends. I'm, I'm as charismatic as, as they come. Uh, but I, I had friends back in the day as well. I didn't just uh, develop these skills over the last couple of years. Uh, but... I was in Nintendo household. I had friends that were PlayStation households. We got along famously, uh, even to the point where every time I'd go to their house, they'd, I remember them showing me their PlayStation and then showing me like, look at this game that comes on multiple discs. I'm like, well, Mario 64 comes on one cart and I just plug it in and I go. Uh, but 
I understand how much nostalgia people have for this franchise, let alone this specific entry in the franchise. And I know the music. I know the characters just through the fact that they are such so, so highly regarded and they exist in, in gaming pop culture. So when I booted that game up and I started playing it and you get that, that intro music and, and the character reveal of, of cloud and uh, you know, Midgar and stuff like I felt that, you know, I know I didn't experience that 20 years ago and have that, you know, uh, this to me, um, the closest comparison I can have is if they remade, uh, Super Mario RPG and, and 20 years later, that would be this, I would probably the closest feeling I could have to someone who had played Final Fantasy seven and then played the remake in terms of a nostalgia, you know, shot in the arm. So I, I really felt it. But I never played the original, but I knew of the music and it really, it really grasped me. It was so, they just, it felt like they updated it yet nailed it at the same time with that yeah, look and feel. Music was nailed for yeah. sure. And that's, I would, I would say 50% of all nostalgia and, and positive feelings with regards to Final Fantasy VII are in relation to his music. And so uh, they really nailed that, that part of it. So what I'm just going to do quickly here is, is run through what was done in this remake, how it's set up um, and, and how this leads into spoilers and how it's possible for a remake of a game this old to have spoilers. Like it, it seems ridiculous, but it, it, here we are so what what it essentially is is uh, a game that is not the full final fantasy 7 it is set only in the first part which is the city of midgar and when i originally played final fantasy 7 it was the first final fantasy up into that point that did not have a world map or anything like that now it does but you don't know that until multiple hours into the experience like you're you're in an urban environment going through this huge city made out of multiple sectors taking the train everything every scene leads into another scene leads into another location Contrast this to previous Final Fantasies, you're in this giant open world. It's crazy. Like, and and you start to get used to it. And uh five hours in, once you know you've you've had this giant experience in Midgar, uh, because five hours is a sizable experience. You've fought all these bosses, you've done all this stuff. You walk out of the city of Midgar, and whoa, you're thrown into this world map, and you realize, holy smokes this world is just beginning. I think you actually have to do one of those disc changes at that time, Ryan, like where it's like insert disc two. So you kind of know that there's a lot more because you're still on disc one. Um, and so this remake is, is just the Midgar section. And they were open with that. Midgar's the city section. Uh, they were open with that. They said, it's just going to be this. And I was really curious. I'm like, how are they going to, how are they going to make this so that it's long enough to be war warrant the full price tag? And obviously the production values through the roof, graphics, super nice, all of that sort of stuff. But um, they, they, they did that in, in, in three main ways. One is that they, they added like content to flesh out the characters and all of this chapter three in particular is completely new. That's the one Ryan, where you meet Jesse's family and you go, I, I love that wedge. chapter. That was amazing. It is. It is a really good. It is really great, and then and that whole biker cool dude from Soldier, uh, what's his face that you have the boss fight with? I mean, all of that complete new, completely new content. And it's funny because there wasn't a ton of that in the game. That chapter was very distinctive in that in that it's like this is new. 
Um, the other, the other thing was filler stuff. Like, so dungeons where there wasn't before, where there used to be a, you know, a short hallway. Now it's like, you know, multiple stages and multiple bosses and all of this. So they really, they really padded. And then they have these sections with significant side mini, mini quests, like mini quest hubs where you do these like sort of tasks and stuff. Um, and my, and you can tell me what you think, but my personal opinion as someone who played the original is I really like the stuff that fleshed out the original and the characters and stuff like that. I did not care so much for the expanded dungeon dungeoning or the expanded uh, mini questing. Um, I felt that really felt like filler. What, what did you think? Uh, the, the, I think it was funny. We had this conversation about this game and um, it started out as, Oh, I'm I'm really like Ryan. I'm really enjoying it. Crofted. There's a lot of filler, and I didn't quite catch that until I think the the second half of the game, where there were some very much like some trench runs, where you're literally running through <laughs> some trenches, uh, trying to get from point A to point B, and and uh, there are some mechanics where you're just you're fighting enemies or you're doing these little you know mini games to to traverse the 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 locations. But I I kind of I didn't feel no. they were filler because I, I really dug the combat, I guess. So, and that's it. They worked. nailed they nailed the combat, and without without going too deep on the combat, I think we because that's the main thing you do in the game, right? Is combat, and um and it it was it was a revamp of the system, and like we don't need to to spend too too much time on a spoiler cast talking about the combat, but in so much as that it was just, I, I think you liked it. I liked it. As somebody who played the original, I was surprised at how much I, I enjoyed the combat. Mm-hmm. Um, Me so, too. So I, I, I honestly, I played final fantasy 15, which has this active, you know, um, yeah. Combat. And, and I know a lot of people were saying like, Oh, it's, it's, it's too kingdom hearts ish. And, and I also tried kingdom hearts and didn't like the combat, but, I think there was um there was this balance that they struck with the combat where yeah. it is it is active but also has these moments where you can slow things down and issue commands and it it works really well um but I was also surprised that I liked the combat cuz I felt like the combat and even the story for that matter I I honestly went into this game not anticipating you know greatness I just I was like this is this is the only way I'm going to play Final Fantasy 7 because I've tried to go back to the original mm-hmm. and it's just I'm sorry, but like PlayStation games do not hold up. And there's very few N64 ones that do, but there's not many PS1 games. And and I'm, Final Fantasy VII is, is not one of them, unless you probably have that, that nostalgic yeah, feel. It is really funny because for me, I would be like, those RPGs would be the things from the PlayStation 1 that would hold up, maybe. But the translation for Final Fantasy VII in particular was very bad, and I'm sure that that really... Um, you know, does not hold up very well. So just just getting into the spoilery stuff here. Um what so uh Sephiroth is like an iconic character of Final Fantasy VII, right? Like he's the he's the big bad guy um in Final Fantasy VII. The the piece of music when you fight him in the original Final Fantasy VII, one wing angel is like an iconic piece of music. It's performed at concert. People love it. People mm-hmm. love Sephiroth. He looks super wicked, whatever. In, yeah. in 
in Midgar, the Midgar section of the original Final Fantasy VII, there is no Sephiroth until you're in the Shinra building at the end. And then he is alluded to like a ghost, like somebody's in the building with you going through the building. Um, you see these things, you hear these sound effects, there's footprints, there's this and that. He's almost played like a monster movie, uh, but you never, you know, he's, he's not really revealed um, until uh, you leave Midgar. And, uh, and because of that, I was curious. I was like, man, they're doing a remake and, you know, Sephiroth's not in Midgar, but, the the designer sort of explained this like look you guys all know what Sephiroth looks like everybody knows that the whole monster holding back from showing him there's no there's not as much of a point point now so we're gonna we're not only are we gonna show him we're going to uh, we're going to have him introduced much earlier in the game and Cloud has these hallucinations um, just after the introductory sequence where they blow up the 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 factory at the beginning and the mako reactor and then they introduce um the first like aside from the flashback the seeing of sephiroth and you're not sure what's real and what's not um they then right after that introduce the first twist to the game where there's these ghosts which are known as whispers in the game that are just surrounding you and, and surrounding Aerith. it's a scene that it's the meet cute scene between cloud and Aerith. They first meet. And, and then there's these giant whisper, these, these ghosts. And I, I was like, okay, like, did I forget these ghosts? Were they like sort of a thing that I just hadn't really noticed in the original, but it was when they come back the second time outside the bar and you fight a bunch of them with Tifa and Barrett and all of that, that I, I, I was like, no, okay, these things, I, this never happened. I don't know what is going on with these things. Did you, Ryan, when you're playing as somebody who didn't play the original, did you ever think that there was anything different about the whispers or that they had been added afterwards? Or did you think that they were in the original? I, to be honest, uh, playing through this game, I figured everything was in the original um, because it's just it's one of those things where having not played it and only yeah. knowing certain beats like I know of I know of. So before playing this game, I, I know who Cloud was, Tifa uh, and Barrett. I knew to a certain degree who Aerith was, but honestly, mostly the fact that she dies. Uh, and, and I mean, that that shouldn't surprise anyone because everybody kind of knows that. And obviously Sephiroth. So seeing Sephiroth early on and his relationship to Cloud, having watched, um, you know, the movie and then understanding core things about the original, that all didn't come as a surprise. The ghost stuff, and I'll be completely honest here, the ghost stuff, I figured was in the original because it seemed too silly to include yeah. as a new thing. And I'm kind of now that you're you, uh, you now that I'm uh, you're you're telling me this, and then also I I had read it up on it a little bit when I finished it, and that those are kind of the the I guess the idea is that these ghosts are trying to keep they're the ghosts of destiny, trying to keep everyone on the path. Essentially, the path being, uh, well, destiny to the players or to the to the characters but to us as the players keeping the characters on the path of the original game right so by that logic i kind of want to go back and say like okay later on in the game it's very evident about these ghosts clearly trying to send you down a specific path but as someone who is has played the original like did you feel as though those those ghosts were appearing and doing things in a way were like directly in line with changes 
to the original or was it just kind of like they were there? No. So I didn't really see it uh, because like, for instance, that whole chapter with Jesse, you know, and her, her, her mom and all that and, and her going to her house, that doesn't happen in the original, like, or if it does, it would happen off screen, but the ghosts to my knowledge, I'd have to replay it are not there or interfering with it or stopping it from happening. The whispers. Um, so I never really like, and it's been so long since I played it that there are some beats that that it was unclear to me like what was different. Like I guess the first time the whispers appear, Cloud and Barrett, uh, Cloud and Aerith don't spend that much time talking, uh, and and they're they're trying to be force them to to move along and stuff uh, as they did in the original to escape, and like it's the same. When when Cloud falls through the church and they're and Eris helping him, and then the whispers take over sort of the church and all this, and they're everywhere. I I'm I'd have to go back and really get a sense, like looking at the original and looking at the remake, um, how that worked. But I have to say, like Ryan, I was kind of like I went through this period where where I was like in love with the game at first because it was hitting all my nostalgia buttons. Then I was starting to hate it because it was like such a grind in so many spots. And I just was like, Oh my God, get to the next story beat. Like what's going on. And I dropped for a really long time and had to be forced across the finish line practically. But when the, I found out the wisp, what the whispers were and it's near the end of the game. They sort of, they don't even spell it out. Not that they spell out anything very specifically, but red uh, 13, the, the, the dog um, sort of explains it with Aerith a bit that they're, that there's to keep you on track with destiny. It, redeemed so much and i thought it was so ballsy i was like oh my god they're saying that the original exists and this is an alternate universe and that these whispers are keeping keeping everybody on track and if you try to deviate from the original universe you know they're keeping keeping you on track uh and then uh you know they become the boss of the game, essentially, the giant whispers. And this is the last thing. So, Ryan, in the original game, and I had this in the back of my mind for a long time when playing the remake. In the original game, when you leave Midgar, you escape the Shinra building, and then you're being chased uh, by Shinra goons, and then you have a boss fight on the highway against one of those Shinra robots or whatever, you know. It's... it's uh, I think the one that you fight in the remake on the motorcycle. Uh, and then you, and then that's your boss. You beat that boss and then you leave the city because the game doesn't end there. But in this case, it's a giant RPG. It's a giant thing. They need to have an epic boss fight at the end. And, and so I was thinking for a really long time, I'm like, well, what the hell is going to be the final boss of this game? And, um, and I was like, well, it can't be Sephiroth because like there's, he's going to be in sequels and stuff like that. And it can't and it can't be, you know, like X, Y or Z. So so when when um, the game ends, because like even up into the end with the Shinra building gets ca- kind of attacked by whispers. I'm thinking like, holy smokes, the, the plot is still very similar to the original. But now like the whispers are out of control. And I'm like, wow, are we going to fight the whispers is like the boss of the game. And then when they go down the highway and they escape, and then there's this portal that opens and that's where everything gets batshit crazy. Right. And you fight this. It, you, it, it's funny because I had lamented to people how it was the game is so full of dull grays and empty urban environments. And, and I was just looking to see something different or, or how, and then it ends in this like 
alternate reality where you're jumping from platform to platform and 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 like celestial beings and all of this crazy shit um and uh, i was like i was having a hard time I'm like okay so what are we doing here with the whispers and then when i defeated the whispers and then sephiroth comes out and then sephiroth's talking to cloud like I just felt that it was hard to follow, even for somebody that knew Final Fantasy. I had to read articles afterwards to kind of decode it. And I can't imagine what somebody like you would have felt at that point, being like, what the hell is going on? I I had to read articles as well afterwards. And I, and I think once I read, uh, I think it was a US Gamer article that really laid it out for me. Because having beat it months after it came out, there was already these like, what the hell just happened at the end of Final Fantasy VII? And... I think knowing the interpretation being that it, this is the this is an alternate universe where these these ghosts of destiny want to put you down the path of the original game but you, you the whole point of the game is to fight against destiny and then the end the end of this one is basically you killing this you know this blocker off so I it sounds like the ghosts will will could be less present if not at all present uh in the in the sequel to this but um it just it, it's odd and it's it's so ballsy from square enix to be like we're gonna like they don't even tell you when they announced this it was very much this is a remake of final fantasy 7 and we got that but they ba- and they basically said have been saying like this is part this is the first part of the final fantasy 7 remake and they made a whole game to justify making a new game with these characters because i feel like that's what the second part is going to be it's going to be a new adventure with our favorite characters that that came out of that original final fantasy 7 and it is just such a unique creative expensive way to yeah. to do this and i i mean there are not there are not many of these companies around that will take such risks with such a high profile franchise let alone entry in that franchise it's just it's such a square enix move because you mentioned all like the spin-offs and the movies and and all that for this specific entry in this franchise it's like only square enix would do this it's true and it's funny because it's like you know, it says it, the game ends with the unknown journey will continue with the yeah. idea that we don't know what the journey is now because you've killed the whispers and the whispers are what's keeping us on track from deviating from the from the uh, the core timeline, if you will. I was like, like just on a, on a paper, uh, like on the, on a front level, like uh, so most of the game is accessible to a new player. Until like like you come in, you can play it, not knowing anything about Final Fantasy VII. It, it's really like okay, Shinra's bad, Avalanche good. You're figuring out all, all this stuff. You're going through it, and then there's like this whisper stuff. But even that's accessible in the sense you're like, oh, it's a mystery. We're gonna figure out about it. And then at the end, like when when it becomes clear, like the whispers are you know affecting destiny in this way. And like for me, the the oh my god, really it it click moment was when Barrett gets stabbed and Barrett gets stabbed in this game in the exact way that Aerith gets stabbed in the original final fantasy seven. So like, I, there's no Phoenix downing out of this. It's like, he's dead. Oh, I had and, no and, idea that was the and, case. Cause I, yes. I mean, I didn't, I don't know how Aerith died. I just know that she dies. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so essentially stabbed by Sephiroth is oh, okay. the answer. Right. And so, so, um, 
so he dies and then that goes into a boss fight right away so barrett doesn't like yes he comes back but he comes back after a boss fight and i i had a, a long boss fight with this jenova uh, worshiper whatever and it's in this and it it took me like half an hour to win the boss fight or something and that whole half hour i'm like oh my god they killed barrett holy shit you know like things have gone off the rails here and i I know they had mentioned the whispers before but like there's a difference between you know like this has happened sephiroth has stabbed him and this doesn't happen in the original at all right and obviously there's a bunch of stuff that happens in the original with barrett later on like Marlene and Dine, this 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 character, this other character at the Golden Saucer, like there's a bunch of stuff, and I'm like, God, we're not gonna we're not gonna do any of that because Barrett's dead. So for half an hour as I'm fighting this boss, all I'm thinking about is Barrett being dead. Then the boss fight ends, and whoops, Barrett's alive. Now normally I would be really pissed about that sort of cop out type technique because I was really like, Wow, they're ballsy to do that. But then I realized that the whispers brought him back to life, and that. That really solidified for me. I'm like, these whispers, they are, you know, forcing the hand of destiny. And now that now that they're defeated and they're defeated at the end of the game, it means that, and, and I think everybody is sort of like thinking this, it means that Aerith doesn't have to die because she, you know, the whispers would force that if they were still around because that's what happened in the original game. I also was of the impression that Sephiroth and... Aerith maybe were aware of what was going on, like aware that there's multiple universes. I'm not even like completely unconvinced that this Sephiroth is, is like a Sephiroth from the original game Hmm. that has come, that has come into this world. Like I just don't understand otherwise how he would know the things that he does or act the way that he he does. And the same with Aerith, when she opens the portal at the end, it really feels like she's like, I, you know, like I know what's going on here. And uh, you get the sense that, so I I felt the same thing, but more about Aerith, you know, uh, sooner than Sephiroth. You don't really get a lot of um, explanation about Sephiroth until the very end. But, but earlier than that with, with Aerith, there was these, moments where and knowing what i know about the original it was like she knows something and but because i hadn't played the original and kind of knew the beats i just figured it's her ancient lineage like she's an ancient one or whatever or she that's a safe that's a safe assumption Ryan, yeah. because that in the in the original she's like that too she's like oh i'm a coy little flower girl but really she's an ancient and knows the sacred world the uh, land and all of that like uh really you know the she was always acting in that way. And so I didn't really even think too much of it when I was playing the game. But then at, at the end, it became very clear to me when she opened the portal and when she's talking that she's like, she knows and, and read to a certain extent knows that there's something going on here, that there's, there's these ultimate, ultimate, excuse me, alternate worlds. And uh, it is crazy. Um, the thing that I find like narratively poor for this game because even if you even if you go through with all of that and you understand all of that and you're okay with all of that what is Sephiroth's motivation in this game or what is like do you as a player who did not play the original have any idea what Sephiroth's deal is in this game well I'm I'm glad you brought that uh that brought that up because I, I I wanted to touch on the fact that yeah very much for the f- 95% of the game it's like what is this guy's deal 
And I chalked it up mostly to the fact that it was some sort of post-traumatic stress that Cloud was experiencing um, due to the Mako poisoning or uh, just he had a really bad deal with this guy. And that was causing him to have these very vivid and very violent flashbacks. Uh, but then as you got later on in the game and you start to think about this alternate universe that maybe Aerith has come from and been placed into this one, that's how she knows more, and Sephiroth possibly being the character from the original, um, I got this sense of, uh, you know, this Sephiroth was either from the original game or he is this game Sephiroth, but but was warned by the the Sephiroth that failed. Like Sephiroth is doomed to fail in Final Fantasy Original, and that Sephiroth figured out a way to reach through time, you know, Endgame style, and and warn an alternate self of like, hey, you're destined to fail unless you try to do these specific things. And one of those is, in my mind, egging on Cloud and and Tifa and Barrett to take on destiny and, and, and rip that sort of path apart. So then that Sephiroth can, has a possible, has a, Hey, a way to be successful. Right. I, but I, I, I get, I get that. And I get mm-hmm. that version and I've read that as well. But like for, for me, it's like just taking the game at face value. Right. Like, what is Sephiroth's motivation? Like, what is he trying to do? What was well, he, he wants unsuccess- to be a god, right? Like, he wants but, to. But how do you know that? Did they tell you that in the game? I don't remember ever um, being told that. Th- I don't I think-, think they tell you in the game, but they. But he has that god complex. But there's, I think, what you get in the game is that he was this bad dude and uh, is is an ancient lineage, but was killed by Cloud. Um, and that's why they keep talking about seeing a ghost, but somehow he survived. Do they say, see, I don't, cause from, from my sense of playing that game is what you said about the PTSD hallucinations rang true. It just seemed like foreshadowing, but never does Sephiroth that I remember get any screen time to st- set out a mission statement. Never do they really explain what he's doing. I always thought that it was foreshadowing for future games. I didn't think we'd be fighting him at the end of this game. And, and so that was, that's sort of a big pet peeve of mine, which is the idea that you, everything that you said about Sephiroth there, I know as well, but I know that from either playing the first game or reading articles. I don't know it from this game. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it is one of those blind spots where unless I'm missing something, it very much is, Sephiroth bad guy because of the PTSD you're experiencing with Cloud, but his motivation outside of just being power hungry, like every bad guy in a GARPG, I think you just, as someone who hasn't played the original, you make that leap of like, bad guy want power, therefore bad guy, you know, is bad. And I think that's, that's where I, that's my, that's how my mind worked in that he's, that's why Cloud put him down. And he was just a bad guy looking for power. But when you start to get into the articles of like having to play the original to understand the ending, even though playing the original has completely been tossed out because of the ending, it's just, it's such a weird way to end a game that is, it's kind of like it rewards the people who played the original, but also tells them, forget everything you know, because it's all different from here on out. And 
and it's just and there's like a bunch but there's also stuff that again having not played the original there's some weird shit that happens like they they show some cat character which i have no idea who that is um and it's just in a random cutscene. i think as you're entering the final mission it's when i think it's when the plate drops and it's that weird cat you like can you talk a bit about that cat character you know who i'm talking about uh, I don't remember that scene because I probably took a like if it's back where the plate dropped, um, then like uh, is it Kate Sith? Yes, is yes, yeah. Like, so they show like, him in 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 this in this uh, yeah. this cutscene, and and that is another that is a better example of just showing something that only ori- the original players will know, and and just leaving us newcomers complete, which I'm fine with because again, like it's straight up foreshadowing well, or nostalgia but it's well it's the same like when when you're fighting the heart the fate whispers at the end there's all these sort of flashbacks and uh as they let flash forwards or flashes to whatever like and, and um yeah what's with know, the tifa in the western outfit what is that all about so that's okay um well that is all part of kind of like tifa and uh, Tifa's storyline that they alluded to very, not just Tifa, but Tifa and Cloud and Zach and all of these guys' story storyline that, that they allude to. Essentially, um, once you leave Midgar in the original, uh, right, as soon as you leave, the first place you go is this town called Calm. And in Calm, um, it, it, to its name, there's not much that happens action-wise. It's sort of a story point where where at this point a, a bunch of flashbacks are revealed and a bunch uh, a bunch of stuff is sort of clarified including um in, in in the remake i think it's near the very beginning there's a scene where child tifa and child cloud are sitting on a water tower looking at the stars well that's where that scene takes place uh in the original game and in that in that flashback they sort of um, they they sort of work out a lot of the uh, uh, of the history and and um, uh, what what happens at one point is like not not to ruin anything but Cloud uh, is not in Soldier like he never was in Soldier uh, which is this training program he keeps saying that he's in, in Soldier Zach Fair was the um, was. The, uh, Aerith's boyfriend and was in Soldier. It looks a lot like Cloud, and he was in the cutscenes at the end of the Final Fantasy VII remake. The Final Fantasy VII prequel, Crisis Core, is all about Zack. You play as Zack, um, and uh, and Cloud was just one of these soldiers. And you see in these flashbacks, like like at one point they take off, like he just looks like one of those generic gray soldiers that you see throughout the remake, you know. And at one point he takes off. Except they're blue in the original. He takes off his his hat and, and see the pointy hair, and you're like, "Oh shit, that's Cloud." You think you keep thinking that you're seeing flashbacks of Cloud when, in fact, you're seeing flashbacks of Zach, and and Cloud is experiencing flashbacks of Zach, uh, and 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 um, uh, Zach eventually gets gunned down by these Shinra soldiers as he's bringing an injured Cloud uh, back to uh, Midgar, and this is a scene that happens. It is fullest in Crisis Core and uh, the prequel, and um, it is just funny because in this game they pretty much say, "Oh, Zach, instead of dying, he survives." And uh, at that moment, and I had to read an article to see this. There's like a a paper bag that with the logo of Shinra. They have this sort of dog logo that you've been 
seeing around on graffiti throughout the game that points the way or whatever. Well, it was the logo flies by and it's a different animal. And uh, and it's to show that it's a different timeline or a different a different. So there's a lot that has to sort of has to be interpreted. Wait, what? But so uh, so, so Zach, no, I, and this is something I was going to ask you about because because yeah, yeah, this is another one of those moments where it's like, who the hell is this? He looks a little bit like Cloud, and you have to look into it because they don't. It's very much a in PlayStation One graphics. They look exactly the same, except, except one has the, black hair, right? Black hair, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in this, they obviously do look a little different, but but they are similar. But I I guess when I saw that, it was uh, so near the end there feels it feels like there is this splintering and they do kind of try to illustrate that with the fact that they go through a portal they go to this alternate universe uh there's this separate scene that's happening with zach uh fighting these shinra soldiers so you're saying that the logo on the bag dictates or at least illustrates that this is a different timeline from um what we just played in the remake or a different timeline from the original and the it may, same as it, the remake. It may very well be the same timeline as the original. We don't know. There's never that dog logo or whatever the heck that it um, that they use in the remake. To my knowledge, there isn't that in the original. Um, I think it was just to show. I think what it was trying to do was show that we had defeated the Whispers, and now Destiny was was not was un- like unlocked and anything was possible you saw zach and and cloud from that universe then walk by Aerith, who seems to feel that they're there but clearly is in a different space like they're not they're they don't see each other they're in different they're in different worlds and then they have the bag blow by to, with a different logo i think to kind of illustrate that but it is very nebulous and i think you could read a bunch of think pieces on it and that's why i find it it's it's so impressive uh but also so batshit crazy and it all happens in the last maybe hour of that game because <laughs> yeah. it's 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 really just like getting to the end of the highway you're about to leave midgar and instead of leaving midgar you go into this crazy world and all this shit happens. And yes, the whispers have been there the whole time. And yes, they surrounded the Shinra building, but that fight with Rufus, all of that stuff that happened in the original. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's very funny because that sequence and, and how it ended redeemed a lot of the game for me, just because I thought it was so ballsy and i am sad in a way that it is not a shot for shot remake of final fantasy 7 and that the next final fantasy 7 content i agree with what you're saying it's going to go off the rails it's going to be different stories in this world i think it will likely be in similar locations and all of that but it's going to be different uh and it saddens me that it's not like a full full remake but part but then it it i'm also encouraged by them taking these risks and being like look it's got a great it's got a great battle system it's got it, it's a well-made game and uh, it gives you all the nostalgia that you needed and now now we're going to go out and we're going to do some crazy shit and part of me is okay with this but the other part of me thinks that it's it's going to be judged by what comes next mm-hmm. and i have a feeling what comes next is going to be crazy and like like not good crazy like bad crazy i think it's going to get super convoluted and more so than it already is and i think that um that may 
have a bearing later on we might look back at the whole thing and be like oh you know i wish they just made a a, a shot for shot remake um of of the original but that said where i am now i just am optimistic that the next thing will be will be cool and uh I, it also explains to me why they called the game final fantasy 7 remake because um they didn't call it final fantasy 7 remake volume one and i know a lot of people were pissed about that but i do think that like if they go off in this crazy other direction that like maybe the next game is called final fantasy 7 reimagine or final fantasy 7 uh remixed or reawaken reawaken something like that and that it's it's like this was because this was mostly a remake Mm -hmm. Uh, it was mostly a remake with some added stuff and and some stuff that was but but more more than not it's it stayed true to to a lot of the stuff down to the gym workout mini games and all of that stuff like it's all all the same and so I, I i do think that like it will be very interesting to see uh where they where they go from here and i thought it was really impressive so if you are at the end of that game and you're like oh whatever i'm just gonna listen to spoiler cast you know i got 90 percent of the way through but i just i'm i can't do another set of stairs in shinra tower mm-hmm. i would i i would say to you like i don't normally say this about games i normally say put it down when you're sick of it but in this case, I would say, you know, just try to get to the end. You're you're right there. If you're in the Shinra building, like you got a few more hours, and the end is like will be a head scratcher. But I think it's 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 rewarding enough. And honestly, it has been the basis of most of what Ryan and I have talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, is is the end. Uh, of well, the it's game. one of those. It's one of those head scratchers where it's nice to be in on the conversation, right? Where I've I've heard of games that I probably might have enjoyed if I if I had the time to play them, but I'm not involved in the conversation of of discussing the ending or the story beats. So it, that's really tough for me, and that was the main reason why I was like stoked to play this game and eventually beat it because it had one of those endings that is totally can have a, a one hour conversation, and another one of those, and and again like another one of those would be The Last of Us Part Two, and. For me, it's like I have to maybe not be part of all those conversations, but at least know what's going on when those conversations are happening, like through podcasts or or videos. I love that whole breakdown of what the hell just happened. And this is a perfect game to experience that. But I hadn't even begun to think about my expectations for the follow-up in the sense that maybe it is a little concerning that they might go even crazier right that is a little alarming because i don't know if i can do crazier like i kind of like the fact that they sort of grounded this one uh with that 20 year old design doc right (laughs) you know um and i know like current uh square enix final fantasy adventures and kingdom hearts especially it's too wild for me. You know, it's too out there. It's too wacky, too crazy. So I hope they hold back a little bit, you know, that like, I I don't want them to go off, you know, just crazy, like out, out there, you know, I I want them to kind of still continue with these characters. They have a path forward. They need to stop Sephiroth. Right. But I don't think they need to make it crazier. Right. I've just found that the um, 
um, the, the Final Fantasy games used to be to me like these tight narratives, like not t- super tight. Every question is answered, t-, t is crossed, I's are dotted, but they were pretty, pretty character focused adventures that that led to, had a beginning, middle, and end, and was all sort of tied in a bow afterwards. Um, and uh, then they got kind of like they would never do sequels. Like you never needed to play another Final Fantasy to get a Final Fantasy. You could start eight. If eight could be the first one you ever play, nine could be the first one you ever play. You know, um, and and it was a self-contained story with new characters. Now they they started seven was where they tasted that pot of gold. Where like you know, let's do an expanded universe. People want more of this. We can make some more money. And now it's funny because like. Final Fantasy 13, 13, 2, 13, 3, Lightning Returns, or whatever they now it's just common for them to do that sort of stuff. And so I I I guess and and, and their storytelling has suffered because of it. It's gotten it's gotten worse. Uh it's gotten bloated, it's gotten crazy in a bad way. And I'm just concerned that this is like, you know, setting setting up setting up a, a beautiful disaster if you will in the future hopefully that's not the case right now i i'm still impressed i i think it's not well told like they could have mm. told their story a lot better i think but but i think the ballsy choice they made to deviate from script is cool i just i i'm just a little i i guess i'm i'm, I'm worried for what's next right so uh as as one final question that'll lay on you before we uh we wrap up here is that uh platforms and timelines like when do you personally think we see a follow-up to this game final well the platform i think is easy i think that sony has this relationship uh with final fantasy ever since final fantasy 7 and it was the relationship that brought it over so i think the playstation 5 will be the platform and i i will see mc mechanically i'm not sure if you noticed this but like it's really great to have beautiful gorgeous graphics and stuff but like i am getting sick of squeezing through small spaces to disguise loading or like only having smaller environments because uh we want to have a zillion character models with beautiful triangles in them um like it, it, they they need more power and i think that like now you're leaving midgar you're going out into the world no matter how that's presented it's going to need a, a lot of horsepower so for me it's coming out on next gen systems and it won't be a cross like it, it won't be a cross play deal like it's not going to be like also released on ps4 i think it's going to be solely released on ps5 i wouldn't be surprised if they do the exact same thing they're doing with regards to pc release which i think it's a year they're waiting i uh, if I understand, like, I think it's coming out on PC, Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, a year after it was released on PS4. I would expect to see the same thing. Uh, but but I, I definitely expect to see, like, um, while the combat system they've got nailed down, I think, like, traversal and, uh, you know, what used to be that the, the way that it worked is it would zoom out to this world map and your character would get all small and you'd walk over this map. I think in this new pseudo, like, super realistic graphic type world they've created, they're not going to want to do that. So what are they going to do to replace that? Like, are they going to have you walk through these giant super long open environments uh and if so that's going to take a lot of horsepower so i definitely expect ps5 and now that they announced today that they're working on it uh and that they have a lot of the legwork already done i don't expect that like 
I expect that we're going to see uh, the next release a lot sooner than we would have thought otherwise. Um, my guess, like with COVID and everything, is going to be like two years. We'll see something. Okay. No, that's really cool. I, I think that I, I had also heard the one-year window in terms of exclusivity and uh, coming to PC, and they weren't ruling out Xbox, although... Uh, you know, like you said, the close relationship with Sony, Sony clearly had put, you know, money and effort into this release. It was one of their, their big releases. I mean, Sony's had a crazy last year for their console, whereas Microsoft's kind of been like, yeah, we're kind of just focusing on the new stuff. Um, but I, I can see, you know, this coming to PC and possibly Xbox next year, and then that making the wait for news on the follow-up much feel like it's much shorter and i hadn't seen the news that uh that that they had announced they were they had started or at least addressed it so i'm gonna have to uh, dig that just, up it was just today yeah no um, that's cool but here here's a question for you do you think uh okay new game comes out you actually finished this one new game comes out two years from now are you more interested to play that game than you were to play this game or are you less interested in playing that game i'm i'm more interested i okay i'm all in like i think i think when it comes to here's the thing this is the first final fantasy game i've ever finished uh start to really finish. yeah first one okay. I, should, I probably should have left with that <laughs> at the very beginning but this is the first one i've played start to finish and it's uh, incomplete <laughs> <laughs> yeah well no 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 <laughs> Unless they, in my mind, like this could be the like a really cool way of being like, and it's completely different. So they could completely drop it. They don't have to continue. Although they did say we'll continue it, but they could just say like, nah, you beat Destiny and everything's changed. So take that, you expecting gamers. Um, but I think I think for me, I'm more excited to play the second one because now you and I are more on level playing field if if they go the route of this is completely different i would much prefer to see them go the route of you know we'll bring we'll 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 give you the the locales from the original but completely different story so you get that nostalgia hit of seeing calm town or whatever you said <laughs> and then and then i get that that uh that you know sympathetic uh sympathy not sympathy like uh I'm feeling your nostalgia, basically. Uh, so yeah, I was just I just pulled it up here, and yeah, like you said, part two is already underway, and um, as soon as possible sounds to me like yeah, two years is is a strong bet. Like get a year into uh, a year and a half into the new consoles, Sony gets their big you know spring or holiday hit to have on the PS5, which I think all next gen consoles they. Outside of Nintendo and the Switch that just had a stellar opening salvo, like usually the second year of the consoles, like this is when they start to bring the big guns out. Right. That would be a big win for Sony. I I am just like the reason I ask you that question is I feel I am, despite being impressed with what they did at the end, um, I am less interested in uh, playing the sequel than uh, the original. And I, but I'm not uninterested in playing the sequel. And I think that that's key because they've already sated a lot of the nostalgia. So this is the thing. They, they, all the major beats that people have the most nostalgia for, they almost got them in 
this game to the point that I think it's a, it's almost a detriment moving forward. Like the jukeboxes with the music, um, they managed to put in a bunch of tracks from places that you never visit, but are from the original game, including like Cosmo Canyon, which is the best music ever. Um, and for me, it's like, well, what did I like the most about Cosmo Canyon? Well, it was the music. And now I, I already have that in the game. They even shoved in a boss fight with Sephiroth, one wing angel in this game. So like, uh, I mean, it just feels like they gave me everything that I kind of wanted. And then I got annoyed by a lot of the grinding and the, the whatever and and all of this stuff. And I know what the mechanics of the game is, is the playing of it is, uh, you know, when when the next one comes out, will I buy it? Likely, but mm-hmm. maybe not as quickly as I bought this one. Because this one, it was the promise of something new. It was these insane graphics. It was like a remake of Final Fantasy VII, one of my favorite RPGs. Oh man, it's so good. And, and then and now I know what that is, and I, and I've played it, and like I know the story will be different, but I know the battle, what the battle system is. They've already given me a lot of it, so I'm a little bit less interested. And also like. Not to not to come down too hard on the game for what it's not, but I was also playing other RPGs during this time at the same time, namely Divinity, which gives you a massive amount of choice over things that you can do. It's a really a true RPG, and whereas in um, Final Fantasy VII, your only choice, especially in the remake, is do I do the mini quests or not? Do I equip materia or not? Like those are your choices. You don't really have much else in the way. It's more of a, a solo experience, which to be fair, the original one was as well, but I've grown up since then. So I don't know. Oh, I, I think, I'm a little less interested. Yeah. I, I think to, to, to address that for me, it comes down to the characters. Uh, I'm, I feel I'm I I get really invested in characters. Like when I when I play a new uh Zelda game, I want to see what they're going to do with those characters in this outing. Um Really? And, the Zeldas? Like, Zelda's not like, a big character development. Is Link just goes not ah, de- ah. Not, <laughs> not development, but like I get I guess that's probably a bad example because really that's more about the story with those characters as opposed to the characters themselves. So y- yes, good point. Um, I was trying to think like maybe I guess Uncharted, Last of Us, Last of Us? Unch- yes, perfect example. Yeah. Why did I not th- think about that? The Last of Us is a perfect example, and then a lot of people are like, I don't know, you included. I don't know if I want to play this game right now, and I'm like, no, I need to know what happens to these characters, good or bad. So I'm going to play it right. right away. And that's that's my personal feeling. So now that I've played this Final Fantasy VII remake, I'm like, I'm invested in this version of Cloud, this version of Aerith, Tifa, and, and Barrett. So I want to see what happens going forward with these characters. You know, less I, about the story, more about the characters. I have a, I'm curious then, what what do you think of the characters? Like, what is your takeaway from them as compared to, say, other games? Like, just just playing this version because this version specifically cloud he doesn't go through the arc that he would in the original game because you know obviously it's only the midgar section he's still kind of a dick by the end Mm. of the game that he was he's a little softer but he's still (laughs) like i guess like because for me it's like those characters they appealed a lot when i was younger but now that now, like Barrett is a bit of a caricature, obviously, uh, yeah. and and even like with even with the Marlene stuff, it's kind of like, and Tifa and Aerith were done much more justice this time around, but I would say neither of them have like a, I guess a, I guess 
like their character designs are cool. They look cool. They look like, cool. I, I think where it comes down to is that I, I fully embrace the 90s of this game yeah, and that yeah, these okay. characters. I'm not saying like <laughs> this is a great character for 2020. No, th- this yeah, is yeah. a great 2020 vision of a 1990s character. And I yeah, love that. It's true. And, and yeah. it's such... It's a good point. It's not. It's not my nostalgia for the character. It's my nostalgia for what characters were were designed like in the '90s. But but they punch it up just enough where you get those moments where you know uh, Cloud <laughs> slips. Cloud lets his guard down a little bit, and Aerith makes some cute little jokes, and Tifa's just such a badass, and and Barrett. You know, a lot of people say, yeah, you're right. He's a caricature, but also he has these moments of just pure joy where he's like humming the Final Fantasy uh, battle yeah, yeah. and theme. And he's just, he's over the top. And it's that type of, and I, and I thought back to my point about, about uh, Link and Zelda and those characters. It's not about character development, but for me, it's about being back in those shoes uh, of, right. of Link and experiencing you know, that game as Link and wanting, wanting to be more, wanting to have more experiences with those, in those shoes, with those abilities and and those specific um, running arounds. So for me, with, with the sequel to this remake, I'm excited about being back in Cloud's shoes and swinging a big sword and being back in Tifa's shoes and doing those epic combos. And again, getting back to the combat, like Tifa was probably my favorite to control combat wise. Like she had, I love that they gave every character their own feel in terms of combat. Yeah. And that's I crazy did, to me. I did too. And it explained to me why they limited characters so much. Because mm-hmm. they do, it's almost comical what they do to avoid you getting more than the party limit. Like they, when, when your whole party is together, they start split, you know, they, near the end, they split you up so that you only have certain amount of characters. I remember asking Bo early on, I'm like, do you ever have everybody at once? And he's like, no, not really. And it is, it is kind of uh it is kind of funny because Final Fantasy seven, like many of the Final Fantasies of that time period, you get an airship, you fly around the world and then you choose your party members from the airship a la Mass Effect in the Normandy, right? Like, so you're, you're like, I'm going to bring these party members. And sometimes for story beats, you need to bring certain character members, uh, party members. But like, I was, I was curious if they were going to handle how they were going to handle it because they're really, it's a game that just has one extra party member. Like it's really like, how, how were they going to manage it? Like when, when were you going to have to, to pick and you never, you never do, uh, which is almost comical, but to that effect that it allows them to go deep on each character and make them feel really different and play really different. And each character also gets at least one scene where they go solo, right? Like Tifa has her jumping over the chandeliers type, type scene in the Shinra building. Barrett falls through a floor one point uh, when the plate comes down and goes through and gets to shoot rubble with his gun. Cloud obviously has a bunch of scenes. Aerith even has a scene at one point where she's got to get the kid back to the bar and all of this. They all have a scene where you solo play them. And I think that that's really, uh, uh, really cool as well to allow you to kind of identify with each character. Um, uh, and so, yeah, no, I, I really do like the character work that they did also to build on them because mm-hmm. You know, and it's tough. It's tough, like the 90s-ness of that game, where it's like there's a lot of the text. I said poor translation, but Cloud, um, one thing Square Enix did a lot of its games was have these three little dots to say that somebody's not responding, and it's to make it like seem like an awkward silence. So, you know, Barrett says, 
don't you hear the planet crying out in pain? And then Cloud says, Cloud says dot, dot, three dot. little dots, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And you're just like, whatever. And in this, they they essentially just replaced dot, dot, dot with, with groans and grunts. And that really threw me for a long, long time until uh, my friend was like, you know, it's just like anime. And that's what they like, do. Oh, yeah, that's the Square that's, Enix. That's the anime JRPG. Well, it's, yeah, it's more than just Square Enix. It is anime and how they do things. And I've I got to learn to deal with it. And at one point, I I was able to just forget about it. But mm-hmm. it was a it was a long time of me being like, oh my god, if he grunts one more time. And sometimes there'd be these conversations where Cloud, in particular, would just be like, oh, mm, oh. Uh, you know like and you're like what the mm-hmm. hell is going on <laughs> yeah there's yeah. a lot of of that and and i mean um on that note of us grunting uh like that we're don't gonna, clip that <laughs> don't clip that everybody <laughs> I, I don't clip that um we're gonna call it there i think that yeah. uh this was i you know we talked pre-show planning like are we gonna be able to do a full show and you're like of course we'll do a full show and i'm like i don't know and we did, and some. So uh, I'm really glad we were able to do this. Uh, we were able to talk spoilers of Final Fantasy VII Remake. We will reconvene in five, six years when that second one's out, and we will do another one on episode whatever 200 of Dungeons and Diapers. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, Crofton, thank you so much for finishing the game eventually. And hey, and- no problem. It was <laughs> worth it to do this. Yes. and you, you people should send us. Uh, your emails and stuff about why I'm so smart and why you agree with me. Exactly. So depending on where you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on the Dungeons and Diapers feed or, or where, what have you, uh, I'm going to give you some links here. So uh, tgistudios.com slash Dan, that's where you can find Crofts and I's uh, uh, Dungeons and Diapers show where we talk about uh, geeky, uh, geeky, stuff that we are able to this is podcast hour number two so uh, i'm i'm losing it but we do we talk about video games tv entertainment all while balancing life with multiple uh children that we take care of on a daily basis which gets into the diapers portion of the show some some of them even our own yes wait what our own kids yes sorry i thought you were saying diapers it's like i don't wear diapers do you wear diapers this show i might need to <laughs> dot 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 all right email the show <laughs> <laughs> email the show dad at tgistudios.com you can follow us on twitter you can find myself at r murphy and crofton at crofton steers that's going to do it for this specific special episode of dungeons and diapers hope you have a great week and stay safe and uh dot 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 i i wish that they would literally say dot 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 like if cloud said, if cloud said that every time i would love it so much it's like dot 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 why does he always say that i don't know